Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Daddy Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with well, a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Dynamite. It's a bit all over the place, this one, mate. This was absolutely all over the place. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, wildly uneven in quality. Mm. Even the stuff that was good to very good, or certainly a lot of detail went into it, I thought the execution was lacking, Mm. and it was an absolutely disastrous night for the main storyline in the company with potentially even more disastrous consequences, but we will get to that. Yeah, I did um, the ups and downs today, and it came at six and three in favor of the ups. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I don't know how. Like, we've discussed this before. Sometimes that's our format of what culture. And sometimes it maybe doesn't tell the truth of the show. There were at least six things, obviously, that I thought were better than average mm. and three that were worse. And I know that wasn't the experience I had watching the show. Um, I had a good time with a lot of it, but never a great time. And even the good stuff on the show, there was this nagging feeling that it was, in some aspect, under-delivering. Like when, as we review these things bit by bit, I know for a fact I'm going to praise something, and there's going to be a but, or there's going to be a however. And that's, I think, more than anything what I think AEW is lacking at the moment. There's nothing quite like when a company is on fire, it elevates the stuff that's mid and the reason it's on fire is because the cool stuff is on fire. It's electric. There is not really one single on-fire storyline at the moment, and I just think this show desperately, desperately needs it. There was evidence, to Sidge's point about the main event, the other thing that has been built for Double Nothing for a while, while good, wasn't electrifying, and you just, you, you can feel it when a show hasn't got a hot hand right now, and it, it's, it's AEW, there could always be one around the corner. We've watched enough of this now to know there might always be one coming, and then we always get to, like, it's, it's a fun like cell phone, isn't it? Oh, we were wrong. The power's back. This angle was incredible. This promo yeah. was brilliant. This match was awesome. Whatever. This match that graphic itself is like completely reinvigorated you over Monday afternoon. But it's 
I'd like them to show it soon. It was weird that you talk about the main event and obviously that overarching storyline. We'll talk about it in each segment as we get to it. But I think if you'd have asked me and you, Sige, last week after we did the Dynamite review, would you rather have a fatal four-way or a singles match for MJF's world title of double or nothing? You and I would have sat here and said, singles match, give it Derby, look at the promos he's been cutting recently. He's a different guy to the one we used to see on the mic or doing stuff like that a while back. And then I don't know what happened during this show. I suddenly was like... Maybe the fatal four-way wouldn't have been such a bad idea, I, I want neither. I, I want neither. I want MJF to move to collision and work CM Punk at double or nothing. Like, I, I, there's this, nothing about this main event picture suddenly feels like it, it feels like a TV setup rather yeah. than a big thing. And I thought about you this morning. I'm watching this show. I'm watching the opening segment, which we will oof, get very surgical about in a second, I sense. Um, and I'm watching that, and I'm going, oh, God. Like, and this is, you know, this is one of your highlights of the week. You wrote, a, you wrote an entire book about AEW. I did, yes. What's it called? Well, it's all about the formation and rise <laughs> of AEW, so it's called Becoming All Elite. The rise of AEW. Do you like um, passionate and insightful words? I do. There's 120,000 of them in there. Um, well, I live in uh, Denmark you sometimes. If, well, if you've got Amazon access, you should be able to buy it. <laughs> so I'm thinking of you. I hate paper. And uh, damage to the environment being done by books being made by trees. Can I get an electronic copy of it? You can. Thank you. I think. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> fairly certain. It's not real if it's not uh, physical. I don't know. I read your book. I've read both your books on Kindle. Well, you haven't read them, then. <laughs> <laughs> you guys so have got the freebies, and you? <laughs> so I tried. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking of usage because I'm going, this is a highlight you... Get up, get up early to obviously watch this show and, and really appreciate it. You're not, like you always talk about the fact that you don't want to be, you know, trying to half watch the show whilst getting the kids ready. So you're getting up even earlier than most people in the UK to watch this before work. And I'm watching that opening segment going, oh, God, what is Sid going through? And then I found out this twat watched it live. Oh, he's an idiot. But I had the same thoughts, right? So I'm thinking, like, I don't care about the stuff that really bothers Sid about mm. WWE's production choices. Like, I, I don't care as much. Mm. Sometimes it's more egregious than others. Um, but... I do care about the material being rubbish. Yeah. And I'm watching some terrible promos, awful content, awful delivery. And then they start doing the Sidgwick, like, tick list. And I was like, I, I can't believe this. I, I can't believe this has been followed. Like, the interruption was one thing. I was like, we're going to let this play out because promo trains normally, it's a subversion of it almost. It's not a subversion. And then it gets worse. And MJF does a clipboard raw at the start of a dynamite. And you're like, bloody hell. Like, what, what was that? Yeah, the, the overarching feeling I got, and all gimmicks of best friend stuff aside, everyone's uh, talking to Andy about this, was like, oh, thank God MJF's here. You shouldn't think about that, about the, the biggest heel on the show. Like, the promo before MJF arrived was a better advert for MJF than the promo MJF cut. Because them three are in the ring, and you're like, oh, these aren't it. Like, these aren't him. MJF is him. And mm -hmm. that was what you were reminded of constantly. We're in it now. I just one more bit of bargaining on this. With AEW... Like, I've learned to trust the process so much, and the more bits and bobs that have, like, dribbled out on Hangman Page and CM Punk and the promos that went a bit awry and why that story never felt quite right, even when it was good, um, has led me to believe that, and I, this is just total speculation, I think something has changed quite close to Showtime with this story. I'm not so sure that the tournament or, the ma or what we got as the opening segment, an impromptu main event, I feel like plans changed, pal, somewhere, Okay. Yesterday, the day before, whatever. It just, whenever something doesn't feel quite right in AW, I've still got enough latitude to believe that it's because it isn't. Mm. And there's been some compromises or some changes or something. 
because I, I can't imagine the, the Dynamite we previewed yesterday did not start with a championship promo training and with the match even being featured. There was a full card. We were talking about what's the main event going to be. Well, you say this, but all through the week, there was only four matches announced. So I was oh. waiting because that's the, they've never done that. It's always five mm-hmm. or six. You went for the Jay Lethal graphic. Yeah. <laughs> 98 or 99% of the time. I think they did a seven once. They've done lots of fives, lots of sixes. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever once done a four. So I knew there was going to be a match added, but not in this. Maybe it was just a bad idea. Yeah. Well, let's talk through it then. So, yeah, the show starts, and you get Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and he goes to say something, and then here comes Sammy Guevara, and he goes to say something, and here comes Darby Allen, and they're all in the ring, and Darby says, oh, Sammy, I've known you the longest, I like you the most, uh, and yet, of uh, the three people in this ring, you're the least qualified to fight for the world title. Uh, perception is reality, people view you as a follower, uh, whilst uh, me and Sting view each other as equals, you and Chris Jericho clearly don't, it's not the Sting Appreciation Society, um, you're going to have to win the title on your own, Chris Jericho's holding you back, uh, if you've got a problem with that, say come say something to me and Sting, as for Jungle Boy, or Jack Perry, or Jungle Boy Jack, <laughs> whatever you call yourself, um, <laughs> you've had to work the least hardest, you're part of the Cali click. I'll, I'll get on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> I know we want to talk about that. Um, I remember when you were announced as a new hire and I was still living in my car. I was jealous, but it didn't take that long for it to disappear because once I truly saw you, uh, nothing intimidated you me, you about me, uh, or the, the other way around, whatever yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. in that sentence. Um, <laughs> Jack says, uh, I look at you, I see the face paint, uh, and I see all the kids in the crowd everywhere. We go with this uh, same face paint. And I think, oh, I, wish they, I wish they knew what you were like. You're antisocial, you're unfriendly, you're rude. But um, I'm jealous, and Sammy Guevara's loving this, by the way. I did like his physical, like, this is great. The two baby faces, it ain't each other. Um, and you're only here, says Jungle Boy, because you couldn't make it as a skateboarder. And then he turns his attention to Sammy Guevara. Um, it'd be an immense challenge to come up with a new way to describe what a dirtbag you are, Sammy. Uh, out of Darby and MJF, I respect Sammy the most uh, because for better or for worse, what you see is what you get. You put your body, your life, your future on the line, but you're still a scumbag piece of sh. Um, Sammy's going to trash talk Darby, but he says, uh, you know, these you guys are handpicked to be here. The golden children, um, you know, let's talk about the first double or nothing. He's talking about Darby here, of course. Uh, you were on the pre-show um, with, uh, apologies there, I've got a, Random message from Diamond Dallas Page, who's going to be interviewed a little bit later <laughs> on today. Um, what a worker. Still getting on Dynamite reviews all these years later. Yeah. Uh, most recently, Darby wasn't on the recent pay-per-view. Neither was Sammy, but MJF and Jungle Boy were. Um, I need to thank you, Darby. Darby, you gave me hope. I watched you lose match after match and still become the first pillar to win a title. Um, you showed everyone you could break whatever glass ceiling you want to, they want to put on us. Uh, I sat back and watched you become TNT champion. Then you sat back and watched me become TNT champion, but better because I did it three times. You jump, jump off something high. I jump off something higher. It's uh, now your turn to sit back and watch me become champion. Uh, and Jungle Boy says, uh, spoiler alert, everyone, I'm the next AW World Champion. I'm going to do it for me and for everyone who supported me since day one. And then, thank goodness, here comes Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Cuts the music, slags, slags off Pittsburgh, doesn't care what they think because they think Britt Baker's talented. That was a nice line. Um, says, guys, stop fighting. You're making me blush over, you know, you three fighting over me. Uh, I know you're all tied in the rankings, so I've had a conversation with... What rankings? 
really, really boiled my piss that. Stop reminding me of the thing that made this show so great. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, I've had a, a chat with uh, Longbone Tone. Uh, I had an idea. He had an idea, and I agreed with him. There's going to be a Pillars tournament uh, that starts tonight. Um, the uh, winner gets to face me for the title of Double or Nothing. But, of course, one, two, there's only three of you. Uh, so uh, someone's going to get a buy. I'm going to pull a name out of that. Oh, it's Darby Allen. Um, and then MJF says, oh, yeah, he psychs us out by saying next week. Ooh, no, actually, tonight it's going to be Sammy versus Jungle Boy in the main event. Oh, where to start with this? I'm going to yeah. try and unpack all of it. I hated every second mm. of this. Because even MJF's better delivery, because everyone else was so shaky. It was embarrassing. Um, even his better delivery and his purpose in the segment was bad. Like his delivery was great, lines were good enough, not really his best work, obviously. And then he pulled a name out of a hat, and it was the name of one of two baby faces in the segment. And that baby face, Darby Allen, cheered that he didn't have to fight for something disastrous. That was the most uncharacteristic I've ever seen, maybe any AEW character ever. And it happens to be one of the baby faces going for the title at the pay-per-view, which may or may not happen, but we'll get onto that at the end of the main event. Uh, disband the JAS immediately because you cannot, with a straight face, parody sports entertainment when you're doing a Raw segment. It's one thing to do a cute Teddy Long impression, but that's trying to have your cake and eat it too. And the cake is shit. <laughs> I've been eating this shit cake for 24 years on WWE television. I do not need to see it on the alternative show. Um, I don't need to see it. Someone suggested to me in my rant on Twitter, in the replies, that maybe this was the plan all along on the format sheet, and nobody knew it except Tony Khan and MGF. I don't care. You advertise these things. You don't rely on the opening segment to magically and very conveniently arrive at a match that would make sense because it just comes off so fake. Their argument incited something. What if the argument didn't happen? It's always going to because it's wrestling, but that in itself underscores that wrestling's fake and contrived. Hated it. This, I don't think AEW's ever felt smaller. And I've seen them darken those um, upper decks mm -hmm. when they've tried to hit a town that just wasn't really interested in coming to the show, and there's been 2,900 there, and they film it at this. Oh, we're in half a building. And they try and obscure the fact that one side of the arena is virtually empty and it's very dark and the crowd's low. Was it Laredo or El Paso very recently where it was just the worst crowd ever? They're in like Texas every other week, weren't they, as well? So, yeah. This wasn't that. This was a really well shot, happy, enthusiastic Pittsburgh crowd. It didn't have that weird, oh God, AEW's a bit smaller now than it was. Didn't have that aesthetic, but the feeling was this is tiny because you've got three whiny Worked shoot edgelords poorly delivering just terrible material and they just feel so small and so petty and so irrelevant and they might well be headlining a pay-per-view or not, but we'll get to why that's such a problem later on in the show. Darby Allen was flustered as hell, which is a shame and we should point out that he's been great, yes. unexpectedly so, over the past two or three or four mm -hmm. weeks. This was an off night for him at the worst possible time because it's gone from, oh, there's four pillars things, cute and bold, and if it's a bit tell, don't show, and they're telling us their main event is when they're not, it's admirable. Not anymore, it's not. And then the second it goes from that to, 
ah, oh, it should be MJF Darby. Darby has his worst night in the entire promotion. Yeah. This was a disaster. And that... And he can't make it up in the ring later. Yeah. That's another point, yeah. And the Cali click line oh, wound me up something rotten. So if it went... If you didn't quite get it, I'll explain the crack here. Um, Jungle Boy is known in back, backstage circles to be mates with uh, the Young Bucks. Um, and the more cynical AEW observers who know this information, like to infer very cynically and unfairly, in my opinion, that Jack Perry gets a push and he's always in the mix because he's made to the books who are obviously EVPs. I think Jungle Boy, despite not really earning a main event, has definitely earned the World Tag Team title run. The, Matt, the feud with Christian Cage. Like, he's been great in AEW. He really has. Let's not forget that over the past two or three or four weeks, let's not be goldfish here. Okay? And he had to pivot when Christian got injured. Exactly. He really well with that. The few with Luchasaurus. Great match with Luchasaurus. Yeah. He's always had great matches, some really good promos as well. So what are they telling me here? Is is it fake or is it real? Yeah. Because my understanding that they've told me is that Jack Perry has won a sufficient amount of big matches on television to warrant a uh, title shot. It just so happens that other, two other people have um, won the same amount of matches, so there's this three-way tie at the top of the non-existent rankings. He's, well, so he's not... It doesn't matter if he's part of a Cali Click derby. He's won matches. Mm. And as well, what really annoyed me about this line, it's just, if you're going to do work shoot stuff, first of all, cease and desist because it's so boring at this point. It's boring. It's redundant. Everyone's doing it. Wrestling should have moved past it. AEW helped wrestling move past it because of their superior actual fiction. Um, and it's, who cares about a work shoot that you're inventing when there's an actual shoot situation in the background of this company that's infinitely more interesting than pissy meta stuff between these pillars. Mm -hmm. It's already taken the piss, this pillar stuff, right? It's been so noble and so nice that your four-year-plus investment is being rewarded with this pillar storyline. The big tell-don't-show thing has to be in place because the reality is that after the f 2020, when Derby, Jungle Boy, and um, Guevara were all doing great guns, they signed CM Punk, they signed Brian Danielson, Takeshita, Cassidy's better than them all, hate is you know, more important and more over, I think. This pillar stuff feels a bit insulting almost at this point, but also it's, it's a paradox. Mm. Dave told me several times, that Jungle Boy has the most wins in company history. Yeah. He has the most wins. So is he part of a Cali click and gets the spots? It's Darby Allen's an idiot doing terrible material that is also nonsensical. The whole point of a work shoot is you're meant to get reality, bleed, like blur the lines, have the reality bleed into the fiction and make you think, oh, God, is that real? It's a lot of bollocks, and they've told me this. Yeah. I hated this so much. A, a segment... A WWE segment with a Teddy Long. I don't care if you're acknowledging it. It's still not cute enough for me. A terrible WWE segment leading with a terrible WWE device leading to a terrible WWE device between three very unlikable characters in that moment. Two of them are meant to be baby faces. I was furious watching this. And one of them was like, yes, I don't need to. And Darby Allen, uh, like the worst night of his AEW career. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I have very little to add to that fabulously articulate rant. And I was watching live, and there was people. You were scratching your head. 
people on Twitter with it say, what the hell have I just watched? It was brutal. Who are these people? Like, I just about recognise Sammy Guevara. Uh, I'm grateful for MJF. And otherwise, who who are these characters? The Remember when people's heads fell off over the work shoot elements of the week when the three of them were in the ring and they were all kind of giving it to MJF? Yeah. By the reason you've got the belt is because you had all these shortcuts, you had the right friends. and uh, It makes sense for that character. Exactly that. I didn't have a problem with the, that word. I didn't even really pick it up because I thought, hang on, like, yes, they're telling truths about, say, his friendship with Cody or how he manipulated Tony Khan into a better deal. But, like, all of this has been woven into the fiction from before AEW existed. We met MJF through being the elite skits where his friendship with Cody was the only thing. That was the only reason he was in any rooms. It was awful. So, like, I never once even thought, it never felt like a workshop until the next day when I read that Twitter was pissed off with it. And I was like, oh, I suppose you can see where it's coming from, but it didn't betray the fiction. I can't think in all of AEW of a worse storyline to do you only get opportunities because of who you're friends with or whatever, like all the backstage machinations they talked about than this one. This exists, like, because they are, the four pillars only exist as a concept in AEW because they have achieved things within the fiction. Wins and losses matter. Growth. And I want to like it. Ability. Results. This is why they are all at the same point at the same time. Four pillars. And then in one night, you basically say, well, here's the real reason that you're in this fake spot. Here's the real reason you're in this fake spot. And here's the real reason you're in this fake spot. So it's like, oh, so the entire pillar concept is fake. And I can't think of a better analogy in this current position that AW is in than seeing crumbling pillars. Because it does sort of feel like so many of the key tenets are being abandoned for for what? For mm. like, for what gain? You did know? it get any like, ooh, no. you can't say that gasps? No, it didn't. We've had it all before. I just I can't think of a storyline that needs this stuff less mm. because the whole point, to Sidrick's point about how AW works so hard to bring back, God, imagine just watching wrestling and believing in it. Imagine just sitting down for two, I, I joked about this, but on, this, on our stupid NXT podcast, I gasped at one moment in this like involuntary reaction to a character in a silly costume, but I felt it. In that moment, I was like, my God, I'm just invested in this. I've not thought about like what's happening behind the scenes. Oh, he must be budding up to Shawn Michaels to get this much TV time. Not once did I think about that, right? And that's all you ever need. And AW worked so hard to restore that for a minimum of two hours every single week. And I cannot for the life of me work out. That's why I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say, Something happened, and everybody went into some weird autopilot, right, how can we fix what we were going to do instead? Because this this was, like, nonsensical worksheet stuff. It, it was so, it was, like, so, so detrimental. Like they'd given the opening segment to a chat GPT thing. They were like, oh, I can't write it quickly. Just give it to someone else, and they'll just do the most bog standard. Yeah. Not to justify, but to potentially explain. Because I think this was inexplicable, so maybe what, someone wants an explanation. Um, the only thing I can arrive at and my capacity as an analyst of this show, right, is that they've decided, the players involved in the storyline, Tony Khan, that, right, there's history between all of the pillars, okay? Sammy and MGF, it's one of the few good things about this entire thing throughout the show. Like, I kind of love their physical interactions at the end of the main event. So there's, history exists between Sammy and MGF with the inner circle stuff they've never got on. History exists between MJF and Darby Allen because they've had a feature match on a pay-per-view. History exists between MJF and Jungle Boy because they've had a feature match mm. on a pay-per-view. History exists between Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen because they had that Revolution 2020 match. And there's always been this who can do the more insane, yeah. reckless thing to one another. The one underdeveloped subplot that doesn't really have any history is between um, Darby and Jack Perry. 
So let's have Darby Allen say loads of stuff to justify why he doesn't like him. Why does he have to not like him? Mm. It's so fake. Sting wouldn't sanction any of that. Like me and Sting are friends. Are you still friends? Because he's probably watched that. Sting, the nice, affable guy, has probably watched this and thought, oh, you're a dickhead, actually. Get out of <laughs> my locker room. Like, Sting wouldn't like this version of Darby Allen. Darby, like, Sting, Darby Allen is aloof and real and all of these things. He's not. Sting bollocked Darby Allen for doubting himself and for um, thinking that he couldn't get the title off some more Joe or whatever it was. I'm a bit hazy on it. He wouldn't, like, uh, woo! I'm just, I don't get a match. I think they've tried to manufacture a reason for Darby and Jack Perry to hate each other, which was a really fake aspiration that they've tried to invent something. And it's, I just found it so fake and so edgelord and so cringe. I sense, I could be wrong about this, because maybe just everybody agrees this was terrible. I sense that, you know, people who listen to this, and we love the engagement with our listeners, might think that we're overstating this. And this is the worst, suddenly this is the worst main thing they've had for a pay-per-view. Well, I said to Sidge when I got in this morning, because he's got a better memory for AEW than me, like, is am I just overstating this? Because it certainly feels top three, but is it the worst, like, opening, like, front <laughs> half an hour of Dynamite ever? Because it feels Jeff like... Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish. You have, like, the odd bad match. It rarely opens with a promo, but when it does, there's normally a pretty cool purpose to that, mm-hmm. because they don't like to break from that tradition, and the match is more often than not hot. So even if they're not great, they're hot. And I, I just couldn't summon one. I couldn't summon a worse one. And I, I think... They've done an impromptu match once, but, yeah. the, but everyone loved Mox and Punk versus FTR, so I'm on an island with well, it. it. I just... This was this betrayed so much of what AEW did. It's like, if you were just saying... If we were, like, losing our, like, losing our minds over, say, like, the promo delivery, mm. but the content was good. Yeah. Or if the promo was rubbish, the content was bad but the outcomes were still pretty cool. And you're like, you know what, let that play out, because the outcomes yeah. are pretty great. Um, but this was like, this betrayed A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, I can't think of a single redeeming feature from this, and it went against, it felt like, we talk about this all the time, TV shows have rule books, don't they? It's like, you must always do that. You must almost shoot this character from here. You must never let this character do this or mm. interact with that person, because it ha- like, otherwise the universe falls apart. They were just like tearing, they were knocking down pillars. Yeah. They were like tearing walls down. They were just tearing pages out of their rule book for 20 minutes. And I, I couldn't I couldn't reconcile it with what AW yeah. is. Was it almost made worse as well by the fact it was immediately followed by the, the women's match? And you're like, oh, so they could have just opened with Britt Baker as a big hometown entrance. Well, it's funny you say that. I think the segment was so bad that for the first time ever, maybe, the women had the plum spot. Yeah. Because the fans were ready for wrestling. They got their big hometown star. Match kind of kicked ass in places. And I just think even the fans knew, this is toilet. Like, we want what AEW is to us. And this women's match was what AEW is to them. So I can't remember a time where the women had a better opportunity to go out there and show out. They had two segments. Bless them. Hey. We'll get into it in a second. Because it was, yeah, Jamie Hayter and hometown hero Britt Baker taking on... Uh, the outcast represented by Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Soraya was there at ringside and she got into it with Baker's family and spray painted her mother, or at least attempted to, with all the towels are going on. And did it. Um, and uh, Ruby and Tony attack Baker and Hater during their entrance and they brawl. Uh, Hater mows down both Soho and Storm in the ring to officially start the match. It's a double suplex, but gets cut off by Soraya, who does a great. Oh, bollocks! Run for your life uh, spot after that. Hater avoids the uh, DDT from Storm on the floor, drives her into the barricade. Um, Soho and Storm overtook Hater as Baker tried a Panama Sunrise off the apron, but ate a kick uh, to allow the outcast to take control to take us to a break. Um, when we come back, 
Uh, Hater drops Storm with a DVD onto the knee, makes a hot tag to Baker. The place goes wild at this point. She cleans house, sling laid on uh, Tony Storm, hangman's neck breaker in the corner on Ruby Soho. She gets the glove out for the lockjaw, but Storm fights back with a German suplex. Storm eventually hits her with the uh, brutal-looking sweet cheek music. Soraya nails her with the title. Storm hits Storm Zero, but Baker kicks out to another great reaction. Awesome near for that. Yeah. Uh, Storm and Hater are brawling on the floor. Storm um, goes after Hater's shoulder, um, of course, and Baker takes out Soho with a Panama Sunrise to get a near fall. She hits the curb stomp. Soho kicks out again, and Baker's like, bollocks this. Puts her in the lockjaw and gets the submission victory. This was good, if flawed, but so hot that no one gave a single toss about any yeah. of the flaws in this match. There was one sequence with... Um, Baker, and I think it was Soho, where Baker got Germaned and then just simply didn't move back to her. There was no fire-up spot. There was no, like, it's my hometown. I'm going to just persevere through this pain. I'm hot and, like, I've got all the support. There's no emoting of why she didn't sell that. It just felt like, but that's the next bit. There was no emotion behind it, but the fans didn't care that there was no emotion because they just feel so much emotion for her. So I think if you watch this on mute, you'd probably be thinking, what are you doing here? At certain points. But it was really well put together, um, and it was really white heart. and to be honest, almost a towering achievement to get the fans back, irrespective of who was born and raised where, yeah. because that opening segment was just so inscrutable. Um there was a really nice detail in this match, which informed something else deep in the yeah. show, which is what you expect from AEW. Yeah, this was, I was actually higher on the match than Sige. And I would say this is the only thing I've got praise for that is caveat free. Yeah. Truthfully, like I had a really great time with the match. I thought they're like at least three of them. It's obvious, funnily enough, it's Britt Baker that I would discount from this. The other three are kind of known for laying it in when these women's segments are sent out there to die. So three of them will typically hit quite hard. Britt Baker doesn't, but she was a super over one. So he had the three hard hitters and her. So it was perfect in that respect. The management of Jamie Hayter was sublime because very quietly, she did like a lot of the grunt work for the babyface team while Britt Baker could get the glory. But because it was... This was the one night where she could be the earnest baby face. You didn't see that maybe hate is still kind of the the muscle here. You know, they're they're kind of almost intentionally. What's the word like? Is it middling or seconding? Um, they're minimising Jamie Hater slightly. I think they're yeah. doing it on purpose because I think it's supposed to show that Britt Baker's got a bit of an ego about it. Like the running save the other week yeah. where like Hater's music hits and then it's Britt that comes out and does, you know, like I think she's wanting that glory. That was hidden here because she was such a hero. But it was Hater taking a lot of it and taking a lot of the beat and doing a lot of the work makes the hot tag. And then, yeah, the write-off for how that played into later on. Mm. I was just like, there it is. Like, because hey, Baker barely celebrates. She's in her hometown, like, raise her arms, and straight away you see her go looking for Jamie Hayter, who's being carted away. So you know she's in really bad shape. And for one night, at least, Britt Baker is appearing to put her friendship with Jamie Hayter over the most because of what we got later. And I love that even more in retrospect. And like you say, it was a surprise to have it here, which means very early on in the podcast... Got to do this. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Hey, Britt Baker got the Tamina at WrestleMania 37 pop last night. So let's be nice. Do you think next week they might do four pillar karaoke? 
Just in terms of further denigrating this main event. I couldn't be any worse. <laughs> and Jeff would kill it at that one. He'd nail it. He'd do Triple H's theme and he'd absolutely nail it. Like Sammy Guevara would nail it, actually. Remember his uh, oh, yeah. of Judas at the first <laughs> pandemic LTS, show? It's LTST, it was with MJF, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They were like gambling on the matches yeah, together. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm depressed again. <laughs> uh, see, Take we... me back to March 18, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the name again. What's Kevin's the aim of that? Empty dailies. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Uh, what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game is to identify correctly to the hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the first note of the first woman's entrance theme on Dynamite to italicize, underscore, and put in bold just how much of an afterthought this is. And this game worked a lot better when it was always the penultimate segment <laughs> on Dynamite because we were always about a minute or two off. Yeah. But now they've tried to be a cheating bastard <laughs> in the second slot. But regardless, if we can get it to the hour, minute, and second... It'll kind of become apparent. Oh, hang on. They've nailed when the women come out. Maybe they'll come out the same time every time for that one match. It's the aim of the game. And the name of the game, of course, is, well, this is Lady Arnane. I'm going to know what I need. Thanks, as always, to Adam Blair. It's ladies' night, and I'm thinking, oh, what a night. Is it? I can't wait for, like, the Andy Murray sludge metal week. <laughs> 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 Till your night runs out. <laughs> James Hetfield there. <laughs> Thanks for live me. in the studio. <laughs> to, uh, On the ladies' aid. All the bridge. All the stars. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Adam Blair, at Adam Wilson 4, and uh, Jose Palomares, at the Ho 11, who always take care of the um, data. Thank you for this. Um, Sige, you have all the information in. Descending, yeah, ascending order. I will never learn that. I don't know. <laughs> I never want to. No. At this point, learn that information. Where am I? Big swing from Sage. I've got to give him credit here. Yeah. My last draft well, message. He's gotten in with Jim Ross, man. Jim's probably <laughs> seen boy. the format sheet, hasn't he? So, in descending order, Michael Sidgwick, no hours, no minutes, fourteen seconds. Michael oh, yeah. Hamflet, no hours, forty minutes, no seconds. Adam Wilborn, one hour, 24 minutes, 20 seconds. What were you thinking, doing a, that, the, guessing the time that they've come out 97% of the <laughs> yeah. time? And it was uh, one hour, 20, 420. You know why? Why is that? Stoned already. Already? Also, if they hadn't done that stupid bloody promo train, you might have got that. I know. Because they'd have done the Excalibur. Where's that? You know what I mean? Hello, man in the mask. Hello, man in the mask. Took my, took my job. Uh, but it, uh, Adam Blair says it, it was 18 minutes and 15 seconds, which, which means, means... Which means? The point goes to Michael Sidgwick. Oh, yeah! <laughs> which means the score... I could f*** a tornado! <laughs> Sidgwick, he f***ed a tornado. <laughs> Um, which means uh, the scores now stand at uh, one correct guess for all of 2023 for me, tied with Matt Reigns, who had one week when uh, one of us wasn't here, <laughs> basically. Michael Sidgwick, four correct guesses. Michael Hamlet, five. Oh, and that means, though, next week we'll get the Jim Ross rundown to start. So we, I'm, I'm in with you. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. yeah. Give you some clues next week when I get Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Join us for that one. Be there or be triangular. <laughs> 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 Jesus. 
I wanted to say that because I might forget it later. Yeah, I'll try to forget it. He's the worst. They're all the worst. <laughs> right. Uh, backstage, uh, Renee is there with uh, Wardlow asking him if he's got a bit of a different approach to tonight. And he says, look, not too long ago, I had a horseman ringside uh, who taught me about evening the playing field. So I've reached out to another one and here's Armed Anderson. Uh, and he t- runs through everything that's happened that the QT and powerhouse ops and all that have done to Wardlow. It's kid stuff. And then they took the title. He talks about being a champ all of his life. He knows what that means. Uh, so, you know, you want to do what Arn used to do. It wakes people up. He talks about Tully being a smart guy. He taught him how to play checkers. But starting tonight, they're going to play chess. This was cool. Yeah. And inspired. But, you know, easy. But, hey, if easy works, go with easy. Arn Anderson's like Woody from Toy Story, isn't he? He's got that string that you pull, and like Woody says, there's a snake in my boot, and people still pop. You pull the string, and Arn Anderson like says, like, gun stuff, fight stuff, check yeah. stuff, and you're like, Arn Anderson, whoa. I love Arn Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, kind, it's kind of always the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Then uh, we get uh, Outcome the Elite uh, to, of course, address the uh, issues with the Blackpool Combat Club. Kenny Omega gets on the mic, says, these past few weeks have been incredibly difficult. He says, look, the BCC are four of the most respected wrestlers on the planet. Or they were until they made his friends bleed. They sent his uncle to the hospital and sent his friends with him. Um, He's having trouble sleeping at night. He's got that image of the screwdriver in the turnbuckle seared into his brain. One thing you wish you could change is could take out the turnbuckle plunge it into John Moxley's face. Um, he hasn't got much else to say, but he's got an invite to the Blackpool Combat Club. Come down to the ring and settle it like men. 
And then Brian Danielson appears on the Tron, and he's like, what are you doing, you bloody amateurs? You've got all this interview time, and you don't have much to say. Nobody pays to see an open mic night at a comedy club. But, of course, it's all a ruse to make them stare at the Tron so they can be jumped by the rest of the BCC, Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler Utah from behind. Uh, and it all kicks off then. The Young Bucks take over. There's super kicks to Claudio. Um, Matt beats up Wheeler Utah for a bit. Omega and Moxley are just going at it near the crowd. Uh, Nick's flying over the barricade onto Claudio, and uh, there's Northern Light suplexes to Utah just over and over and over again. Omega's got a chair, he hits Utah, but Moxley grabs him from behind with a rear naked choke. Um, Omega and Moxley going into the barricade. Matt sends Utah into the uh, crowd. Omega does the whole sort of hockey fight, pull the shirt over the head, and nail them some uppercuts. <laughs> 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 You <laughs> <laughs> uh, is going after the bicep. Don't swear, uh, lad. Don't swear, lad. It's uncouth. <laughs> of uh, Matt, but Nick comes in to stop all that. It's not tea. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes more like urine. <laughs> Covered in piss. Uh, Claudio gets in there. Uh, gut wrenches Nick into a power bomb. Omega comes in and attacks Claudio. Omega kicks Uta. There's a German to Uta. Moxley comes in and knees German. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Knees uh, Omega. Claudio helps as well. There's a Death Rider and they're just stomping on Kenny. Here comes Brian and he's cutting a promo. You bunch of bloody amateurs. Um, I thought Omega. I thought you'd be professional, but maybe you're not. Uh, and here comes Don Callis to make the save with the chair. And Brian goes. What do you what do you think you're doing? Uh, and Don just drops the chair and runs to the back. Um, and you think, oh cool, that's that then. Um, coward. Um, Brian's cutting again, cutting this promo on Kenny. You you you're not an amateur. You've got bloody potential. You have, but you'd rather sit in lobby about it. In that case, <laughs> you need to be gone. Uh, and he pulls out a screwdriver out of his jacket pocket and says, "This house needs to be fixed." Um, Daniel Dempsey. Uh, but here comes Don Callis with Takesha. Whoa! I love that. He uh, kick their ass, and he does. He gets in there, drops you. Uh, oh, he drops you before he gets in the ring, I should say. Claudio gets an elbow strike to Moxley, and there's a oh, there's a bit between Brian and Takesha. Uta gets elbowed, V trigger to you, you prick. Blue thunder bomb from Takesha. Um, Omega and Takeshita both clothesline Moxley out of the ring. Don rolls in and he's like, look at this pair I've got here. Omega and Takeshita. Takeshita saved the elite, Sige. I really, 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 really like this, but I don't think I can love it. I'll love it when it hits anarchy in the arena. Yeah. Because this is a thrilling glimpse of what should be unbelievable and incredible. The plotting of all of this was majestic. It's the premise I continue to have an issue with. Brian Danielson as the spokesman and the BCC overall are the surrogate for CM Punk. Can't manage a target. You're just inept. You're incompetent. You're terrible at EVPs. You hide away backstage. I do more to you know, get the youth along in this company than you. It's all driven and drawn. Driven by, drawn from, brawl out. Yeah. Except it's not CM Punk. So it's always bittersweet. Not only is it bittersweet because you're getting this kind of weird narrative echo of the premise of the feud that people want to see, 
but it's also very kind of loose mm. because it's not CM Punk, it's Brian Danielson. And it just about works because Danielson can credibly claim to have a similar ethos to Punk. But it's just, it can never be this really cohesive, genuinely logical thing uh, as a result of the fact that it isn't that. Mm. It's yeah. this sort of weird adaptation, this recast, if you like. Yeah. Um, but the plot absolutely majestic. Could have done without Matt. Here's the thing. I'll have Matt Jackson do some kind of amazing Northern Lights wave of suplexes that he does in the match itself. I think they can do something cute then. And they can do something really inventive then because he's got the entire arena to play with. I have to say that that sequence did not work for me as part of this brawl. Yeah, you're right. It Looking just, back on it. It looked jarring compared to everything else when... Omega's not wrestling how he would wrestle. He's brawling how he would mm. brawl. It works in Stadium Stampede doing it across the football field because it's yeah. all part of the... Yeah. And we'll do something in Anarchy in the Arena because I think the, the tone of that will be like all over the shop but in a really good way. But as the first proper white-hot brawl, I just yeah. didn't quite buy it. Um, Omega was great here. Claudio was great here. When they came together, I was like, oh, give me more of that. But then he got something else you want more to see. So this is perfectly plotted. And again, is it Page... Or Takeshita, Paige and Takeshita, and a fifth member of the BCC. Like, where is it going? So they've continued to really sort of build that mystery component. So there's lots and lots and lots to just really, really, really like here. But it's CM Punk without CM Punk being mm. there. And it's a con another reminder of the fact that there's been some kind of a grey cloud over this promotion for coming up to eight months until it's resolved one way or the other. Mm. And good news, guys, they're resolving it via the worst possible means <laughs> on collision. I will say this before I get your thoughts, Hamlet. There was a bit in this that uh, gave me an immediate flashback to, to something that you, I remember you putting over and me just getting giddy about back when uh, they just didn't adhere to the stuff that I've trained my brain to get used to with WWE television. So big brawl, pull apart. This is on a previous Dynamite. Oh, that's it for the night. Oh, there's a, they're standing off and there's a shot of them and there's a shot of them. And I can't remember which one of the Jacksons goes, it was, we're not fucking it finished here. It was Matt. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not fucking, I'm going, I'm, don't get off me, lads, I'm going in there. And it's like, oh, that's such a, a break of my normality yeah. of perhaps how brawls go. What I like about this is, is normally it goes, this person comes in, these two people come in, right, they've got the numbers advantage, so they're just stomping on him. Right, oh, two more people come in, now they've got the advantage, and they're just stomping on them in the corner. It was the, the exchange, the back and forth yeah. of, it's not just, Right, well, they've got the numbers advantage or they've got two people being isolated. and The BCC hit them three had times. them before Danielson yeah. came in. They kept them really strong here. They look great. I was going to, we did in the office, in fact, I was going to isolate the Northern Light suplex spot for praise. Oh. Um, because I thought this was quite bold, considering that we know this is leading to anarchy in the arena. To be promoting anarchy in the arena by showing you half of anarchy in the arena <laughs> yeah. was pretty gutsy. A very elite move, actually. They do these sort of things to be like, Raise your expectations if you want, because like we're gonna smash them. Yeah, we're we're also along with CM Punk the best smash. in the world. So like we're we're, we're, all, we're all the best in the world. We're all the same, best at different things. Um, <laughs> and I would say that, by the way, not being a complete arsehole, uh, as relates to Kenny Omega, because I didn't love his promo. He's a world class promo when he's on, and I didn't love it. And it didn't. I don't know what I wanted, but I didn't feel quite as fired up as I maybe he's would have quite liked. Amazing when he's not in the ring. Yes. Yeah. He could do the backstage. He could do press conferences oh, and yeah. stuff like that. It, it, this format doesn't suit him very much, I don't think. And 
to you had Sid, a killer line to end on at least. To Sid's point about the punk comparisons, there's a lot of this in AEW at the moment. I got a little bit from Brian, you know, when he was saying the um uh, you're getting you're getting promo time and you're saying you've got nothing to say. Like that's you know, that's like kid game stuff. I got a little bit of Jericho Appreciation Society mm. vibes from that as well. Like the you know, like amateurs could also be taken as, you know, a professional and being a professional is also being a sports entertainer. You've not we're getting that with the outcap. There was a little bit of that as well. Because I'm the same as Sage. I like this a great deal without loving it. I knew I wasn't I was thinking a little bit more than I was feeling with it with all of this. What I did love was Kenny giving Takesh to the side eye at the end because it's the first time that we've... That was like a really cool reveal. We've been waiting for... What happens when Don Callis is open about the fact that he's been like grooming Takesh for success and kind of abandoning Omega when Omega is leaning heavily on the Callis stuff as a reason yeah. why he wants this fight? And we got that for the first time. So that was like exhilarating. I love the mystery element with Paige. And I love... It's just a wrestling thing that I love. I love when somebody is dragged out for the save and a professional wrestler is surprised at the appearance of a wrestling ring with wrestling going on in it. Hogan used to do this when Elizabeth would go for him. Like, she'd be like, Hogan, come out here, we need you. And then he'd be like, what's going on? Oh, bloody hell, a wrestling ring with Randy Savage in it. <laughs> so Kesh did that look. He was like, what do you want, Don? What do you want? Oh, my God, a crowd full of people in a wrestling ring. Where did you think those steps backstage were taking? I love it. There's just something yeah. so sweet and cute about how, like, you believe these little walls that wrestling exists in. Um, yeah, that was what I took from the brawl. Oh, you're doing this now? Like, this was a pretty energetic brawl. Mm. Lots of, like, that's the thing with the spot, the Northern Light spot. There was other spots you could identify for praise. It's like, but you can't do them again. Yeah. So what else, what else you got? And it's going to be, they're going to find one of them balconies and do a moonsault. It's going to be class. Like, it's going to be Ibushi and Omega. BCC are going to get set fire to the hug rug. And that's going to really... Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Love me some hug rug. The pageantry. <laughs> Wasn't that in, that was in Winnipeg. Was yes. it as well? They're doing like another Canadian tour. They could do a bit <gasps> yeah, like yeah, for yeah. Forbidden Door, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hug rug is all elite. A picture of Tony Khan. <laughs> <laughs> and hugging it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be in a way. <laughs> Too tight. Uh, TNT Championship match next. Powerhouse Hobbs against Wardlow. Wardlow rushes Hobbs early, but Hobbs turns the tables with big belly-to-belly suplexes, and they're just kicking each other's ass on the outside, brawling into the crowd. Wardlow's going for a powerbomb, but Hobbs gets out of it. We're all brawling. We go to a break. We come back. This Hobbs going for a superplex, but Wardlow just shoves him off and hits him with a senton. Um, crowd are well behind Wardlow here. They're trading lariats, and Wardlow drops him. Uh, hits him with a roundhouse lariat, and then uh, Harley Cameron uh, jumps up on the apron to run a distraction, uh, <laughs> jumps uh, uh, armed Anderson, um, and all this distraction allows QT Marshall to sneak into the ring and drop Wardlow with a cutter. Uh, Hobbs hits him with a spine buster and gets a two count, and Marshall's getting into it with the referee. What are you fucking blowing up, you twat? Um, and Arn Anderson pulls, comes in, pulls out the Glock, um, so Marsh, QT Bails up the ramp when he's met by uh, Penta El Zero Miedo, who super kicks him. Marshall stumbles back into the ring, and Anderson hits him with a DDT. Um, in amongst all this, Hobbs schoolboys Wardlow for two, but Wardlow jumps back up, pop-up powerbomb, another powerbomb, symphony of powerbombs, uh, and he pins him one, two, three to regain the TNT Championship. Uh, and before he can barely lift the title up and celebrate, here comes Christian Cage to sort of signify... Well, either me or Luchasaurus is next. For better and for worse, this was a Tony Khan-produced segment because he's taken the magic thrill of professional wrestling and a different throwback approach to it with this genuinely really cool brawl and a hoss fight between Hobbs and Wardlow, which I thought was genuinely loads of fun. I really got into it. And he overcomplicated it, 
and just remove the heft of the actual result. And in doing all of this for so long, you can track it back, trace it back to Joe suddenly getting in the middle of Hobson Wardlow's confrontation. All of that for this. Kind of a waste of time. So many different players. Oh, yeah, I guess you were involved. I guess you were involved as well. And here's Ron Anderson for some reason. <laughs> and then when it's all done, you think, right, that was a nice 10 minutes. We've been here months now. Does this? Do these 10 fun Hoss fight minutes justify the months we've spent of all of this? And then you have, and this is not ideal at all, just to put in the record books a pretty terrible TNT title reign from Powerhouse Hobbs. And they have been so many more bad TNT title reigns than good ones at yeah. this rate. It's really maybe closer to 50-50, but I'm thinking not. I'm thinking not. Through no fault of Hobbs's work. Oh, no, it's not Hobbs's fault. It's yeah. QT and Tony's. Um, and I don't hate the idea of a hot potato title when there are other titles that are very prestigious. But you can hot potato them in far more good ways than this. Yes. This is hot as balls. But when you saw Anderson do the Glock stuff, I was reminded, he was on commentary laughing his arse off, can't believe he's looked like he's back in wrestling and it's this cool when the original armed Anderson promo happened. CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Remember, he was like, yeah. he, just, he couldn't believe how funny it was. Mm -hmm. It's great here. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was less into the match, in truth, but Arn Anderson was an awesome cheat code and I will give AEW credit for something I hadn't considered, which is they were putting over that, like, Wardler wasn't from Pittsburgh, but he cut his teeth on the circuit there, um, and they lent into that a little bit, and mm. said this is... That's how him and Britt knew each other, Yeah, this is why it matters more to do it here, and that he was fired up by the crowd, so I quite like that as a as a viewer, at least, watching from home, even if the fans in the building didn't know it themselves. I believed it, you know? Um, yeah, I thought Arn Anderson was a total cheat code, but it worked. Yeah. Super effective, um, and I, I kind of one of the things where you're like, I'll allow that, and letting it play out is where they get a benefit here because I want to believe that they are still the listening company and Hobbs losing is less than ideal and this uh, yet another bad TNT run, the PMP title, is less than ideal. But if this is them, after only a month, they're like, oh, I saw a terrible idea. Yeah. It's dead. Hobbs goes back. Like, they go back to the drawing board with Powerhouse Hobbs. I'll just reintroduce him. Like, the next next week, he just batters QT Marshall yeah. and there's the baby fist. And whatever it is, like, I'd, I'd put Team Taz back together with three baby faces, quite honestly, because they're complete losers. But, like... Andy the, Murray said the exact same thing on the news this it's morning. It's gone disastrously like, wrong for them. Uh, but either way... like well, not disastrously wrong. That's total hyperbole. But they were better as Team Taz. We don't know it now, but I want to believe that that's them kind of saying, holding the hands up and saying, we've got this one wrong. We'll fix the belt thing. I didn't think much of the brawl. I'm... Unconvinced by Wardlow still in these matches, truthfully. But I like the Arn Anderson thing, and they've kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat there because mm. nobody would have called it. So. Yeah, and I, I went into this yesterday, as we said, saying, oh, uh-oh, whoever loses this is finished. And I didn't think that at the end of this because I thought, actually, you've, you've done it there, haven't you? Like you say, you've got the Arn Anderson thing for, for getting Wardlow and, and obviously, like you say, with the, the crowd reaction for him in Pittsburgh. Um, that's right, Wardlow wins. And yeah... Powerhouse Hobbs isn't done because this isn't like, oh, he was this killer, badass ass kicker and now he's just lost. What it is, is, yeah, is I would have been this dominant champion anyway. And I had to do with this bollocks with QTV, so I'm going to murder you on next week's That's his fault. Like, Wardlow is a 35-year-old brick house of a man that does not require my sympathy or pity. Mm. But last night, I felt like a certain warmth about feeling like he was getting his groove back. Mm. I shouldn't be in this position in the first place, 
Like the groove shouldn't have been lost, but I watched it with it, like almost like a fatherly. Yeah, I see you make it up the ladder, and then you've had some real setbacks. And then just last night, it was something in his eyes and in his face where he seemed like he believed in this project again, and it was it was it was a nice feeling mm. to see him win. I wasn't walking away with the oh, the knackered hobs here. I was like, maybe just maybe there's some life left in the Wardler thing. Yeah, was, I felt quite nice about that. Uh, Rene Paquette tries to interview Sammy before the main event with uh, him and Jungle Boy, but in comes MGF calling him Gene Simmons on meth with how much he sticks his tongue out. Uh, Sammy's like, we're not friends. What do you want? MGF's like, I always, always liked you, Sammy. Uh, ever since our inner circle days. Uh, and Sammy's like, yep, cool, get to the point. MGF says, look, I've got a, an, an agreement that would behoove both of us. Uh, Word. Uh, I heard Sammy say everyone was more successful than than him. Uh, so how about I offer you a guaranteed spot for the title at Double or Nothing? All you got to do is lay down, mate. Uh, Sammy's like, nah, I'm going to beat Jungle Boy, I'm going to beat Darby, then I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to become world champion. MGF says, look, pal, you're a great guy. Uh, you're better than, than Darby and Jungle Boy combined, but let's think this through. The likelihood of you beating all three of the pillars, one of them being me? Shaky. Shaky. Slim to none, those chances. So, uh, you know, instead, of, I've not only got you a, a guaranteed title shot, I've got you a guaranteed blank check here uh, with your name on it. You take it. You write down any number. I know you'll be fair. And Sammy hands the check back. And MJF's like, this is it. And he's like, this is it. Deal. And uh, MJF offers his hand. And Sammy says, friends don't shake hands. Friends hug. And he awkwardly hugs MJF, who's sort of like, oh, I got my way, I suppose. If I wasn't so uh, by where the storyline is going, the subplot might intrigue me. Mm. But we'll get to my whole feelings on where it could all be going after the main event. Yeah, and MJF was pretty great. Like a lot of material to like trudge through. Yeah, MJF did tonight, and he was the one that made it look like effortless mm. compared to them having substantially less to pick up. Yes. JY versus Commander came next. Commander is now all elite. I should point out. Um, Jay White inexplicably manages to trick him with the. I'm a good guy. Let's. Hey, good, good look in the match, mate. Handshake. Yeah, you drop you prick. Uh, drop you prick. Uh, drop you prick. Sean Spears is in the crowd and he's got his numbers. Um, and uh, hey. Commander busy, busy this minute. Yeah, it's always busy on Dynamite. <laughs> Commander uh, uses his speed to take control and does a ridiculous amount of springboards to hit a somersault hurricane runner that sent Jay White to the outside. Uh, he keeps trying to go for that rope walk of his, but White keeps cutting him off. Uh, Commander tries to throw a moonsault to the floor, but White just sidesteps it and drives him into the apron to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Commander suckers White into the ropes, knocks him to the floor, uh, does that ridiculous rope walk dive, and gets back inside, then does a rope walk shooting star press, then does a springboard Phoenix splash for a near fall. Oh, my God. Just ridiculous skills. Um, goes, uh, Jay White comes back into it, goes to the Blade Runner, Commander counters going after the arm of White, but White counters into a cutthroat suplex. Blade Runner, one, two, three. Uh, and then post-match, Juice Robinson drags Spears over the barricade because he gave it a poor rating or whatever. Uh, and they start kicking his ass. Ricky Starks runs down to the ring, drops uh, Juice Robinson with a spear, uh, and Jay White bails with the with Bullet Club Gold. Uh, and the bit I did like that's been shared on Twitter is Juice Robinson going, Ricky, <laughs> on the ramp, which was uh, I just, yeah, he's a brilliant twat, Juice Robinson. Got off action, Andretti, have you? <laughs> it feels like Sean Spears is being 
installed here as the mandatory... We need a tag team partner because there's two of them. Do we? Do we need to do this all of the time? In AEW, <laughs> do we not learn a lesson from just really removing focus from Swerve and Keith Lee by having Dustin Rhodes there? And, you know, Trench, <laughs> Parker, why can't it just sometimes be simple? Why can't it just be less busy? You're asking the BCC's fifth man. We got Trent. Oh, God. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Ray. <laughs> I understand why Sean Spears was there because I understand the rhythms of Tony Khan's booking. I would prefer it if he wasn't there. I would prefer it if it was just kept quite simple. A killer has arrived and he's just killed someone who's really flashy and he's bad news and he's probably going to be in the main event picture sooner rather than later. I thought this match was very okay as a match that I'm trying to watch with a lot going on. I think that conceptually it was very good in that Jay White with his brilliance was able to command able to get commander to really earn those high spots and get the best pops for them and make it seem like he had a chance while at the same time Jay White had this delicate balancing act of just making himself look like the killer the real deal in that in that ring the almost inevitable winner as, much as, as many problems as I had with this, I think, for me, it was undeniable that Jay White is amazing. Yes. His, he prowls around that ring. He's so sharp. He can just unleash himself and just, like, dash almost. Like, he's, I think he looked incredible in there. And it says something about his credentials as a top player in that promotion that he kind of got a really unfocused all-over-the-place segment to navigate here, and I still came away from it thinking, I want to see him at the top of this company. The way he can just sort of dash, like the chops were disgusting. I've seen, not being funny, right? Obviously, it was a much better match. It was an amazing match. This triple threat at WrestleMania. Not one of those chops sounded like them. <laughs> sort of Horrible. really enjoying it, wasn't he, as well, sadistically? Yeah, oh, his acting's great. Yeah. You know, can you remember that, I think it was 2019, the um, Okada Osprey G1 match? Yeah. Osprey did that chop, and you're thinking, it's unfair that you can chop that well, because yeah. you've got everything else. That was like a Osprey tier chop. I know Gunther's known for the chop. Osprey's actually got the best chop in wrestling. Jay White Oh, my God. He looked like he was killing him. Um, there's something about the way Jay White moves that I'm hypnotized by. <laughs> I think he's capable of doing so much damage. I'm desperate to see him do something that isn't bad. Are yeah. they just doing this so Ricky Starks next week can say, I love Spears, and Sean can say, oh, thanks, I love you too, buddy. That's very good. Yeah. The Spears team. Yeah. I love Jay White. And I know he's all Spears, Mass Spears as well. <laughs> and then Goldberg's the third man to fight. <gasps> but then he turns, good bullet club Goldberg. Shout out Travis on Twitter. Yeah. I uh, I love Jay White too, and I know he's a divisive figure. And I do understand why people don't like him, but it's odd. I think the people that don't like him, like the reasons they have are the reasons I love him. It is that prowling, it is that demeanor. I think he offers something different in the like, he's a really terrific such an athlete yeah like he's a superb athlete an athlete Ter- terrific work a great wrestler but like he's got so much more of the stuff that the the just great wrestlers haven't and that's what he brings it felt and i think that point about like how much other nonsense was going on 
it felt like AEW had signed a main eventer. When uh, I didn't co-sign to the idea that when Cody had that bang average match with The Miz in the middle of the Seth Rollins program that I've been WWE, I was like... It's still, just a main. It's still a main event. It's just a main. He's still a main event. You can feel that he's he's just gotten in the WWE muck a little bit with the Miz, and he's still a main event. This is the AW muck. It's not fighting the Miz. It's having twenty other things going on and mm. a, a stable that's a little bit beneath you and a tag team feud you've got to get through. Nothing distracted me from thinking they've signed a main event. Yeah. Oddly, considering that they signed Commander after this, I thought it was far from Commander's best night. Like I love the idea mm. that he got all his stuff in in a flourish because Jay White had cut it off that much. He was like, finally. Like, I've been able I've been able to fire it off. So here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. I really like that as a story. But I didn't think Commander was that great on the delayed element of it. And I didn't at all buy, you know, the flip, 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 and Excalibur going, he's hypnotized him. No, he hasn't. Like, we just stood around waiting for stuff to happen. In the break on the fight feed, Tony Schiavone was the most Jim Ross he's ever sounded, being like, well, I'm not surprised that Jay White countered that because Commander telegraphing a lot of stuff here. If Shivani is saying <laughs> how I mate tighten up, yeah. like, I think that says a lot. Like it did make sense in the story, but it was still loose. Was the word? Yeah. It's still too loose. Not quite Tensai Lesnar debuting on the same night <laughs> tier, but every time I see Commander, I'd say, why would you debut at the same time or in and around the same time as you've just introduced for Kingo? Mm-hmm. One is so much better than the other, and they're very stylistically similar. So it's just I don't know. Tony Khan is so impulsive and greedy. So you got one each for the big old brand split. That's why, mate. Don't remind us about that, man. <laughs> Reminded about that. Uh, FTR are backstage with Renee, uh, and uh, she says, "Oh, have you seen this?" Uh, Mark Briscoe got his <laughs> head kicked in earlier by the varsity athletes, and they're like, "What?" Run into the trainers' room. But uh, Briscoe's there with his real friends: uh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh. And Briscoe's like, "I want to kick their ass." And Doctor's like, "You're not going anywhere, Mark." Um, so he's like, "All right, well, how about instead, Leith?" Hang on. You calm down. Lethal, Jarrett, and FTR do it as a oh, force yeah. and kick their asses. And basically everyone not called Mark Briscoe is like, all right, I suppose. Right. Absolutely brilliant. And again, still kind of awful. We collectively couldn't really come up with a perfect solution to who do FTR face in this very depleted division. Of course, it should be Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Pay-per-view. Like, not even just TV feud. Pay-per-view. That match is going to kick. as well. Maybe, maybe about that match is going to kick ass. Yet again, it's going to be Aubrey in the middle. Yet again, Jeff Jarrett's going to think, I've got this one, like he's going to do his thing again where he does, yeah! It's going to rule. It's going to be so great. Like, all of this is awesome. The idea that, like, um, FTR won the belts and the first thing they did was put Jay Briscoe's name on the nameplate. They love Mark and they want to be there for Mark. And these absolute bastard charlatans are in that room with him, trying to, like, be with him to manipulate him for, like, the clout, the money, the whatever it is, these evil intentions of these awful men. And FTR have got to bite the tongue just for now for Mark is such a great development. Like, this is a Sidgwick's good and bad of everything. This is the perfect can they coexist? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, they've got a. They've got, because what a reason to coexist for Mark Briscoe, you know, and all the good intentions and all this sort of stuff. It's brilliant. And the match is going to rule. Um, what a preposterous setup this was. So, this was yet another we'll hear from FTR in a backstage five-minute with Renee. And she couldn't like, possibly advertise. Yeah. Uh, we just, it's a good job they were stood by the telly because how else would she show them an attack that was pre-recorded four hours ago? Yeah, no. Like, if, what if that was in front of the AW curtain? Then then how would they know? And then, like, wait a minute, I know where that medical room is. And then, like, Luke and Butch, they bushwhack her off. Like, see what they ran past? I did see. You showed us that they went past a Pepsi machine, Easter egg. Oh. They also went past a forklift. Are they, are they getting the pinnacle back together with water? <laughs> like... That was so stupid and so rubbish. <laughs> it was so rubbish. But best yeah. mates are you. Don't text when you get to the arena. <laughs> Fighting up. 
But the outcome was great. Tighten up everything in this promotion. God damn it. She had two hours extra workload a week. Resolve that. I don't want to try to our own dick here, but imagine if Jeff Jarrett hit the big rig. I was like, look! Oh, the... the, the oh, my God. <laughs> Potential for stuff. If you think how good the eight-man was when it was just the heels. I know. Like, what they're going to do? Like, an FTR can cheat. They're really effective cheat. Like, will they get sucked into it and be like, all oh, right, yeah, why not? We'll cheat. Or like Dax fancies having a, like, fancied having to go to podcast that didn't work so well. Maybe he could fancy having to go with a guitar. See if that works out. What if, uh, I'm getting, I'm ruining this. I'm, I'll shut up, Adam. I'm just going to say, Jeff Jarrett slides under the ring and like, the opponent tries to get in and Jeff Jarrett, hey, he's me under the ring. Yes. <laughs> God, there's so many spots. Under the ring. I'm double J and I'm under the ring. Aside from this company, I'm having the best matches. I booked f***ing Wembley Stadium. I'm the most valuable person in this company. I'm under the ring. The, the magic will never die with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I was sitting there, Willborn, the other the, the other day on the mm-hmm. Rampage review. Okay, get him in for the uh, the Sting Party match because that's a really good idea. Yeah, the acclaimed stuff. That's <laughs> a really really good idea as well. Yeah, virtually everything this guy, uh, the Orange Cassidy thing. Cassidy, you have yeah, to do yeah. that. Everything this guy touches turns to gold. <laughs> <laughs> everything this guy touches turns into gold. Bullet Club gold on a global force level. <laughs> it's a global force in professional wrestling, and everything he touches, Midas. He could, by the rules of Bullet Club Gold, he could join because he, like Jay White, was also booted out of the stable and yeah. nobody cares now. So. He could save Bullet Club. He could. That's his stock now. I loved his Bullet Club tights and the logo instead of skulls, it was a guitar. So. <laughs> People were raging about that. Uh, right, here Rightly so. <laughs> like, you turn the guitar around. It says Bullet Club! Oh. <laughs> the best. Sucked ass, but he's awesome. <laughs> he's awesome now. Uh, Chris Jericho, Adam Cole, face to face. Um, Cole, they do the big entrances, of course. <laughs> Chris Jericho is like rolling his eyes. I was like, don't you do that when he's doing his entrance. It's good stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, Cole, obviously, as uh, Sidgwick called yesterday, he says, look, I idolized you. Um, yeah, I was inspired by you. My catchphrase at the end of the day. I remember reading your book about traveling and learning all these different styles. I wanted to be like you. Fast forward to an hour and then ring together for the first time ever. That's pretty damn cool. Uh, I just want to express I've got a ton of respect for you. And he shakes Jericho's hand. And Jericho's like, Thanks, Adam. Thanks for those kind words. I appreciate it. I've been watching your stuff for a while, and from the bottom of my heart, I've got zero fucking respect for you. <laughs> uh, you're an arrogant son of a bitch. you got the audacity uh, to interrupt my, my celebration to give that bloody Keith Lee a handshake. Um, you're lucky I don't slap your dumb face. Uh, and Cole said, oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Lately, you've been a real jag-off. 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 You, you, yeah, you. <laughs> Uh, jag off. It's great. Jag off. You can piss a jag off. <laughs> Two different places. A <laughs> <laughs> guy told dumbass, told jag off. Uh, how hypocritical can you be? When was the last time you looked in the mirror and asked who's the real Jericho? Uh, are you the egomaniac that has the JS win your matches for you? Are you the goat? Are, the, are you the demo god? One of the greatest. You know, you're an insecure, fickle, stupid idiot. You want my attention? Well, you got it. Now what? Uh, First of all, he says, I'm not a jagger. <laughs> uh, you don't impress me, Cole. You never want to meet your heroes or idols, but in this case, it's true. Uh, you don't want to meet me. You don't want to know me. You don't have anything Great to do line. with me. Mm. Jericho if, rules again. How can you keep doing this? <laughs> uh, if you're smart, you'll turn around and get out of that ring that I built right here and now. Uh, Jericho shoves Cole, so Cole attacks, stomps him in the corner, but here comes Daniel Garcia to get the numbers game on Chris Jericho's side. Um takes off that spike jacket, 
And here comes Britt Baker. She runs down. She pulls Chris Jericho away from Adam Cole in the corner. Jericho's like, what are you doing? Garcia's like, yeah, what are you doing? And she slaps the fucking taste out of Chris Jericho's mouth. But here comes the outcast. Uh, Three-on-one beatdown of Britt Baker. Um saying, so bloody set up this on commentary. Garcia's got handcuffs, and he cuffs uh, Adam Cole to the uh, to the ring ropes. Goes outside, brings in a kendo stick, and Cole's like, yeah, come on then, you prick. I dare you to do it. And he just turns around as Chris Jericho hands the stick to Soraya, who just murders Britt Baker with it. That's Cole screaming to let her go. Um, and the heels leave happy with the job that they've done. And Britt's crawling over, but she can't make it over to, over to her husband. And everyone in Pittsburgh's devastated. Conceptually, what a fantastic angle this was. Absolutely fantastic with the level of thought that I've come to expect from AEW at its highest standard. The folding in of the JAS and the Outcasts, they have a similar identity, raison d'etre. So, yeah. of course, they'd be made. So often, with like Sean Spears and Ricky Starks, apparently, or Sean uh, Starks and Andretti and Dustin Rhodes and yeah. Swerve, Tony Khan, in order, to, in order to elongate the match you have to pay for or watch to get a big rating for, will just... Pe- put people together and sometimes it makes no sense or he'll abandon it and it's weird and it's contrived. You couldn't think of two better acts to strike a devil's bargain here because they have the exact same kind of motive and Soraya and Jericho together are so detestable. Oh my God. Pure heat. It is pure heat and Jericho was on fire. Like you don't want to meet your heroes was such a great line. Um, He... Always has belief in himself, unlike no wrestler ever. <laughs> Hogan tier sense of belief in himself. And every now and then, or pretty much half of the time, which creates a circular discourse, but half the time that man justifies it. He got piece of chance. Not just his sort of asshole, asshole. Like, <laughs> create a new... <laughs> I know that tone as This is awesome. Asshole. Asshole. They create a new chant. Because they felt like they had to yeah. to really get the point across. That's how much heat he got. The execution of this is kind of poor from a production and acting standpoint. When the twist revealed itself, and it's like, oh, the hometown hero's getting it with the kendo stick, with the handover of the kendo stick. I want to see that, and I want to see it filmed, not in close-up, so you can see the kendo stick transfer from Jericho's hand to Soraya's, and you can see the crowd go, ah, oh, New Japan Pro Wrestling would have done such a fantastic job of getting that bit over, and AEW simply did not. It's not the weapon shots. It's the realization of what's about to happen. Yes. That's, it's the emotion versus the actual action of it. Yes. Yeah. And just to compound things, the actual action was very tame and tepid, I thought. This company... It's very excessive with its weapon shots, with its blood, with its gimmick matches, with the level of violence that I think is bloody cool, I do. But the problem with doing it so often is that, look, at it, is it a problem? This got really over. This got so over, and this feud is heated up. Two of them at once. Deft, dovetailing booking. But I just thought, if you're going to do this and make it feel like a transgressor, batterer, Absolutely, Dominic Mysterio. Bad era when, he, when yeah. Rollins was doing it. Bloody her up, bloody her up, blade job, the whole thing. It was nowhere near um, 
violent and ugly enough of a scene. And the acting when Cole was going, no, she's getting two candlestick shots, and I've seen about a million in wrestling over the past <laughs> 10 years. It's not their fault. Of course a candlestick assault is going to hurt, but I've seen so much of it yeah. that I can't register in the same way. And Britt Baker, when she was reaching out, at Austin, Austin, I, I made my sh itch. Yes, <laughs> can't do that. Just don't, if you don't want to say Adam because you find it weird, just don't say his name. Like, just... Help. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Like, just don't say his name. If this that, is real. Yeah. There's some stuff on the show is fake, but the thing with this and the pillars is real. Why don't you... So, don't uh, sing me, yeah. <laughs> that made me cringe, that the Austin bit. I, I, I had a few issues with the acting, but I was so impressed with the idea, the layout of the segment. Again, it's this with a butt or this with a however. I was really impressed with the latter segment. We had high hopes of Jericho and Adam Cole, and I think this over-delivered on them because I didn't expect the folding in of Britt Baker and the outcasts. Like Jeff Jarrett, the outcasts were under ring. So for the commentators to say, we think Jericho's hatched a plan here, was pretty smart, right? And the fact that Keith Lee was injured last week, so Adam Cole's got no on-screen friends, Jamie Hayter was injured that night, so it stands to reason that the outcasts would be able to attack Britain. Yes, she's exactly. Just, yeah, we they're completely that. exposed to the elements with no Fold. one to help her. Yeah, like I really appreciate the detail. I just wanted the scene to be ugly, you know, like mm. a real ugly heat angle, but it just didn't feel that way. You mentioned about the production there, and I apologise to Flyglint5, who emailed me over a month ago now, asking a question about... Why is it? Why can't they get these little production snafus fixed? They, they are should be throwing money at the problem. They've invented. They have thrown money at Michael mm. Manzari. Well, to yeah, I suppose. Really produce it, and I think there's been certain glimpses of it improving. Like the commander spot and on Sammy Guevara a few weeks ago was perfect. Oh, when he shot. goes out of the screen, yeah. You can only produce what you're asked to produce, and Dynamite is so chaotic, and there's so much going on almost too much going on too often that I think it's one of the most uh, difficult jobs in wrestling. I think if AEW said to New Japan Pro Wrestling's peerless production unit, do this, it just couldn't look as good because the one thing, they have this sort of um, synergistic relationship between action and the way it's filmed and produced, and I think any production squad would struggle with it because mm. Tony Khan is so chaotic and energetic in the way he books and formats these shows. So I think one thing has to get scaled back so the other thing could capture it. I thought the sound was an issue in this segment as well. Um, you didn't get that thwack of the kendo stick, which is the one thing the kendo stick offers more than anything else bar a steel chair, is that awful noise. that You hear that noise more than seeing it. Like, oh, I wouldn't want that. That would really hurt. And there was a couple of times elsewhere on the show, but it was especially prevalent here, where you could um, hear Adam Cole and Chris Jericho saying, like, hit me again, give me another one. And um, we've had that in the past where, like, the, you know, the sound in general, the sound mix, I don't know what Amateur it is. hour. <laughs> like, the, the mix, because this was a hot crowd, and there were various points in the night where, like, they were quite quiet as well, and I put it down to Mike in because I was like, well, I've heard them go very, mm. very loud, so there's clearly a buzz in the building that is louder than this. And yeah, it did it. There was a few things that took away from the magic of this, but the magic was there enough for me to like, get quite invested all the same. Uh, we get a video from the Hardys, Isaiah Cassidy and Hook talking about um, if you want to know when the match is, Stokely and the firm, keep your phones on. We'll tell you when the Hardy compound thing's going to take place. Uh, and Jeff announces, obviously, Sid and I will preview it tomorrow, that the uh, he's going to address the fans for the first time since his return on Rampage. Be there or be trying you. 
It's really weird. This Shh. I, Jeff Hardy. Oh my god! He did a he did this when he said I'm going to talk to the fans. He did one of these in Impact after the um, the Victory Road the Victory Road thing. Mm. His comeback then had one of these speeches because he was coming back as a babyface and he'd been a heel when he'd had that situation with Sting. So not only were they could bring him back as an on-screen babyface, but it was very important that he acknowledged that he was like trying to get better and addiction is a disease and all that kind of thing. So my sympathies are constantly with him. I ju- I find this too difficult to even know what to think. Uh, what no. I like that if there's going to be another Jeff Hardy hands up I, I'll try and get it right this time thanks for sticking with me you can't throw stones at that but I don't feel good about it all the same nice. I, remember it's a, I know there's a Yanks Brits different attitude towards like these specific things that Jeff Hardy has done in the past you shouldn't drink drive that's like I'm um, stating the obvious here but like there is it's a different culture a little bit so maybe like in America crowds react to this differently but this is not my take but I've seen lots of people make this point and I think it's a very good one there are Deeper, there's deeper analysis and conversations being had about CM Punk and the Elite than there are about mm. Jeff Hardy's reintroduction to television rather than just like sharing the Jeff Hardy's back, Hardy boys, doing the finger guns and all that. And that just feels the wrong way around. Anti escapism. Simple mm. as that for me. Then it was time for the acclaimed and Billy Gunn's take on the JAS, a Daddy Magic Cool Hand. Wait, wait. Jake Hager. I, I've completely forgot to even. Talk about. I don't even know if it had been mentioned. I think it must have, and I just missed it. The fact that uh, if the acclaimed had lost this, they would have been forced to join the JS. They were talking about it on commentary, and I was like, "Is that the case?" I didn't even know that. Um, the JS attack before Bowens can even do his his catchphrase. Um, the acclaimed take over with the Sizzamy Timbers on uh, Cool Hands. He's got bollocks cut off it because of the old ad placement again. Um, Billy Gunn makes the hot tag, runs wild, gets Jake Hager in position and tells him... Don't suck my dick! <laughs> he did. Before yeah. over the famous... Uh, you can suck my dick! Sort of. <laughs> uh, takes, you, takes a lot to, like, make Taz react like that. Yeah, like, no. He's kind of like, he was on that, like, in that SmackDown chair, getting screamed at by Vince McMahon and, like, perving on Dawn Marie and those really weird darts. Yeah. Like sort of. Sort of. <laughs> Uh, Hager counters over the slam. Uh, Bowens comes in, um, but uh, Cool Hand Ange nails him in the face with a loaded comb. <laughs> Goes for it a second time, but accidentally hits Hager. Uh, backs up into Billy Gunn, who snaps the comb in half. Breaks uh, Cool Hand Ange's heart in the process. Suck my dick! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he hit the arrival and the mic drop, and they get a one, two, three. Uh, this is so lightweight. I don't think the fans in the building even realized that the stipulation was in yeah. place because there might have been. Because they still really like the acclaimed. Everyone loves the acclaimed. If they realized, hang on, we're not going to get the acclaimed. Didn't Tony Nese try and do this? We're going to take the thing off you that you like. And it just. When it, it felt like Angelo Parker was going to be able to do that. No one really cared. I don't think it sunk in for anyone or no one cared. The action was just incredibly greatest hitsy. How to do a wrestling story in a match. And it was just, uh, I thought this was so rubbish. Which is a shame because I've really quite enjoyed the program. But no one cared. Um, and I didn't either. It doesn't help that Jericho's got bigger fish to fry, does it? That he's just like, oh, I'm not bothered if we get him in the JS or whatever. I'm not going to get involved in that. That's a great point. Hey, call me butter, baby. I'm on a roll. There's been nowhere near enough overlap here. Like, Jericho should be saying, we need those guys. Look how over they are. Look how cool they are. Look what they could bring to us. Get them, or there'll be consequences if you don't. 
It just it seems like they've just done it, and Jer- and Jericho's busy bothering himself with Adam Cole. It's unfocused as fuck. <laughs> yeah, like they claimed winning was the good bit here. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and you didn't realise quite how stupid the prizes were until you got to the match and the fans didn't care. They're in a really difficult spot with the acclaimed here because you can't... Enzo and Cass, the New Age Outlaws, the other comparisons... The acclaimed are a better in-ring act, but the comparisons are fair, I think, in terms of what this act are. You want to go... You want to buy a ticket, you want to sing along, or you want to get the rap. It's all that same stuff that the Outlaws and Enzo and Cass had. But... If now they've won the belts, if you're not going to put them back in title contention, it's figuring out how you keep them busy without it looking like busy work. And this has failed at that. If AEW was a regular house show company, they're just opening up every night, aren't they? And they're beating up the heels. And this is fine, but it's not. It's a weekly TV show. And it's how you give them something to do that feels a little bit more, I don't know, important than this. Because it's clearly not the belts right now, is it? Trios titles? Corrupted scissors. <laughs> Please no. Maybe, you know. Like, I am i don't know what the House of Black match is for double or nothing right now, and I'm sure when I get shown it, I'm going to pop because there's probably something. They're, they're probably thinking about something. Something's cooking. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing that feels like there's any stakes attached to it with the acclaim at the moment, and it's a bit sad. Main event time, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy Jack Perry in the first round of the AW Pillars Tournament. Winner goes on to face Darby Allen. Winner of that obviously goes on to face MJF at double or nothing. Obviously. Um, <laughs> weird this, man. So weird. It's uh, a bit of a spot fest, this. Uh, they were going wild, but the crowd, weirdly, I don't know what they wanted from this, but they weren't into it as much as I thought they were going to be, especially when... A match that especially happened four years ago on Dynamite, maybe? That was my take, and you've ruined it. Sorry. Said that to you in the office this morning. I said that back to you. I said like I felt like I didn't see them evolve in this match. I would never do that. I would never ever do that on purpose. Let's get this out on. Let's get out in in the open. In the open. Uh, They both hit dives early on. (laughs) Perry tries to attack in the ropes. Uh, Guevara hits a pump knee in a Spanish fly off the apron to the floor to take us to a break and they brawl in the crowd whilst that's all going on. And MJF is backstage applauding his best bloody mate, Sammy Guevara. Um... Perry bounced out of the corner with a comeback lariat, and Darby Allen's watching in the rafters. Jungle Boy hits. The commentators at one point said, "Like, oh, like his friend Sting. Oh yeah, <laughs> what's going on?" I hate it. Uh, sunset flip powerbomb on the apron uh, with a ridiculous diving destroyer from Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Go on. Oh my god! Awesome. Yeah. Um, Should have been the finish. <laughs> Guevara, Mr. Shooting Star, lands on his feet and uh, manages to drop Jungle Boy with a springboard cutter. Uh, he hits a oh, back suplex into an implant DDT that looked like it had broken Jungle Boy's neck, if I'm honest. Just spiked him. I don't care. Oh, my God. I care about broken necks. I don't yeah. care that it looked bad. It was fine. They put it over well on commentary that the ref checked yeah. Jungle Boy like three times. Like, you sure? You're yeah, yeah, yeah. Taz didn't like it. No. That's always my thing is Taz has got like a... Big problem with Nick's Jeff. I was like, I was kind of in it a bit then. <laughs> Guevara wanted the GTH. Perry counters into a, a Poison Rana. Uh, Guevara counters a Lariat with a Poison Rana of his own. Um, but Perry lands on his feet and hits a forearm to Guevara's neck, and they're just fighting on their knees. Uh, he gets Guevara in the snare trap, but Guevara gets to the ropes, um, gets free, drops, kick. Uh, Perry, Jungle Boy, just going up top. Uh, Guevara manages to get out of the ropes and drop kick Perry off the top. He goes flying 
lands, he doesn't break the table, which is always better, um, just lands on the side of it. Look, I absolutely sucked. Uh, almost took out the people, stood around the table and what have you. Um, and it looks like he's going to be counted out. And then it actually looks like he's going to just make it back in. Uh, referee's at like eight. Bryce Remsburg's at about eight. And Kavara just grabs the referee and, I don't know, distracts him one way or another. When here comes MJF, hits him with the beautiful diamond ring. Uh, and referee turns around and goes, what was that? Oh, yeah, nine ten. Right, that's count-out victory. And uh, MJF celebrates, puts Kavara up on his shoulders. I thought we were going to get the moment yeah. there. Um, to close out the show... Uh, and he Guevara does the whole, oh, it's the title. Ooh, oh, it's yours. There you go. And uh, Darby Allen's up in the rafters going, oh, bloody hell, what's going on with these two? <laughs> uh, so it was like 2019 this match, wasn't it? No, what I'm getting <laughs> at right with this, no, that's fine, it's fine. What I'm getting at right is that this match was worked to me as if Guevara and Jungle Boy were in 2018, 2019. Now, bear in mind, it's 2023. But this match was worked to me as if Jack Perry and Guevara were in 2018, 2019, they were getting some buzz and great matches still had equity back then before they became two a penny every single Wednesday and sometimes Fridays. And they thought, right, okay, we're on the cusp of entering a mainstream company here or getting the AEW deal or signing to NXT. Let's go a little bit more insane mm. than even we do normally to try and get some gifts and to get a buddy contract. That would be fine. This is on 2019 Dynamite. You'd absolutely explode and think, these guys are the future of the company. Created the pillars talk, didn't it? Yeah, Matches yeah. just like that created yeah, yeah. that idea. Where's the evolution? This was... In a, yeah, they were, it's like they were having matches from like four years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this was spectacular, albeit completely indie-rific, mm. to the point where it was like, the last four years simply haven't happened. There's been little to no stylistic progression because what you're meant to do is to really get some emotion out of the crowd because you can't rely on this sort of stuff forever because there'll be a ceiling over your head and this ceiling over the head of Jack Perry and Sammy Guevara hasn't looked as low in their entire AEW careers, mm. which is incredibly suboptimal considering <laughs> you are meant to now be taking them seriously as main event level talent. The lack of emotion in this crowd was genuinely striking to me. I think they expected something with real main event heft and they'd seen all of this kind of stuff before. You'd never seen that destroy before. It was one of the best ones I've oh. ever seen. Oh my God. But the point remains, this was uh, this is almost an anachronistic professional wrestling match. One more thing as well while I'm at it, is that what a terrible night. Like, almost comically unfortunate night for you to tease that this storyline isn't happening anymore when I still think Jack Perry gets in the main event. Because after that opening segment, if you can, in fact, believe that, all right, Jack Perry's out of this, and it's probably going to be MGF and Derby, that scans as a relief because of how bad the, the pillar stuff was in the opening segment. So a disastrous segment in and of itself might be more disastrous if, in fact, they're circling back. And I understand the point that if the opening segment was really well received and like, oh, oh, my God, guys, they're saying <laughs> things they shouldn't be saying on telly, and that's cool. That's just cool. <laughs> if that was the reaction and it was not, you'd go, oh, dude, Jack Perry isn't in the main event that I was really looking forward to. 
that would have worked if he circles back into it. But now I'm fairly certain people are thinking, oh, God, I hope they don't go back to the pillars thing. What an utter disaster all around this was. And yet one of the best spots I've ever seen <laughs> happened in it as well. Do you think it's going to still be the pillars? Because I, I do. Because I do. That was my gut feeling. That we were getting that. I just wanted to go MGF Derby at this point. I know it wasn't a good night for Derby, but that's been the best interaction out of the four of them. Well, I've wanted to like this Pillars thing. I think it's noble, but it's failed. Well, the thing is, a bad week could be recoverable, but technically it's not now because of the tournament. If this was just a bad week for all the Pillars, and then but it, we're still on track for it. But theoretically now, well, that's gone. And as Cedric said, I'm, I had the exact same thought. It's going to be the four-way and somehow because of the count-out, like, I know, like, the all results are sacred, and if anything, the a rare count out was quite, like, not a trans, bit of a transgression. Yeah. So they can't instant replay this. They won't instant replay this, but they will have Jack Perry get MGF to get him back in the match. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what I don't like is that if, say, at this point, now that he's out of this tournament, even if it's by count out, MJF has done a bit of, like, general manager Adam Pierce Tony Khan has got me this hat for this tournament. Like, does... Jungle Boy have to do something like that as well. I've been speaking with like Adam Pierce, Tony Khan, and he's told me that uh, I've got a chance to get back in if I do this. And it's like, that's not how it works yeah. here. That's never been how it's worked here. Why you is lost? It yeah, why is it working like this now when mm. you, the one thing you did establish that was kayfabe at the start of the show was that the three of them are in there because they've got identical win-loss records. Now not only do they not, but Jungle Boy has fallen out of a tournament that was supposed to be to do away with that. Like, the tournament has fulfilled its purpose, regardless of how we've gotten there. And yet, somehow, I still think the four-way match, because MJF is the heel, of course, he would want to take that away and make his odds better and all that. And even if he was selling Derby Allen singles match, this is the week I've wanted at least. Mm. So, it's it, like, the, the point about the match as well, like, you see matches that don't work in front of crowds before. But how this, did this not? This match is supposed to work in front of every crowd. Yeah. And I think that is, again, a bit like the promo, the one thing you can't do in a match that is supposed to be based on the idea that for four years these four men have been ready and here we go. You can't do that promo and you can't do this type of match and they did them both on the same dynamite. Kind of a nightmare. Mm. There was a nightmare for this pillow stuff last night. A, that's the perfect word. A total nightmare. They can't do a three-way out of this four. They can barely do a two. They can only do one two. They can't do a three-way. So it has to be the four. It can never be the three because that's too weird and lightweight. So what did they do? Because people are going to be, oh, God, I thought we were past it. This has been a, a, a nightmare, this. Well, let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite and where they go from here uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. As I said earlier, me and Sidge will be back tomorrow uh, to look ahead to AEW Rampage. And later on today, my interview with DDP. I'm just checking. Yep. It's still going on. Uh, so that'll be <laughs> dropping uh, this afternoon afternoon um so make sure you subscribe um to what culture wrestling wherever you get your podcast from to get that in your feed as soon as it is released but for now this has been the dynamite review my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.